0: This is African News Tonight on the Voice of America.
1: Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thanks for joining us. I'm Douglas Simpoga, and here's what's coming up.
2: The explosion happened, and it was night. Everywhere it as bright as day, and it doesn't mean that this was actually war.
1: That's Abigail Theophilus, a Nigerian medical student studying in Ukraine when Russia invaded. On how seeing a missile fly by was the deciding factor on leaving the country. Also, Nigerians got the polls tomorrow to choose a new president and national assembly. U.S. First Lady Jill Biden is in Kenya for the second half of her African trip. And on the anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we'll look at the war's impact on Africa. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. Some residents of Port Harcourt in Nigeria's Niger Delta region have mixed views on tomorrow's general elections, saying they will vote but aren't excited about it due to all the issues facing the country. They spoke of currency issues, fuel shortages and other economic problems causing them hardships and their concerns about security. They spoke with reporter Mike Mboni. I am engineer
3: Obioma Herbert Wabeze. I'm a building engineer. Tomorrow there will be election. How excited are you about going to vote tomorrow? Fine, the election is going to be held, but I'm not excited about the results, which has not been said already. But see from my, from the point of view, what is happening in the country. Except God, but we are, we are going to vote. Uh,
4: my name is Godwin. Ledjack. I will say I'm not excited in the, uh, considering the happenings in our country today, uh, you can agree with me in Nigeria now, we'll buy our money with our money, Food scarcity, no food at ship everywhere. So I will say I'm not excited with the election tomorrow, but uh, I will go and excise my franchise in order to choose a credible leader. For our future.
5: Okay, my name is Alifred Christabel Onyechi. I'm a businesswoman. Though I'm, I'm not excited because I just hope let's let them read the election. That's just it. Because look at fuel increasement. Even in Harcourt, we can't even buy fuel for over two months. Now, I can't even buy fuel. Even if you buy one liter self, you can't even see it in your in your tank. So I just pray, let's The votes count, that's my
2: own. My name is Sarah, Sarah Sonny.
3: Tomorrow there will be elections. Are you excited?
2: Well, I'm not excited for the election because of where things is going in this country. If you look at uh, our country, our leaders, they are not doing us well. They are not being sincere to us. If we can come out and vote out, I will be very happy and excited. But for now, these are
1: the, the, Those were the views of some residents of Port Harcourt who spoke with reporter Mike Mboni. Tomorrow, Nigerians vote in the presidential and parliamentary elections. This is the most contested election in the history of Nigeria's democracy with 18 candidates running for president, including three frontrunners. The run-up to the election has, been scattered, has seen scattered violence, sometimes aimed at the independent National Electoral Commission, In addition, a cash crisis caused by an effort to replace old Naira vote notes with new ones led protests and caused many people problems paying bills. Viewers Peter Kelote is in the capital Abuja and join us on the line to talk about preparations for the election. Welcome, Peter. Let's first talk about the security preparations. Well,
6: the security situation, the police and sister organizations have teamed up to ensure that Nigeria of favor, intimidation, or harassment. At least that was what Director of Operations of the Police, the Deputy Inspector General of Police, who is in charge of operations, told us yesterday when he spoke with him at his office at the police He said there are two categories of people, those who want the elections to proceed, those law-abiding Nigerians, and those who are held there in ensuring that they uh, proceed. And that he, uh, together with other top security officials, have uh, uh, deployed heavy security across the country and that there will be police officers in every polling station across the country just to make sure people feel safe to vote in tomorrow's election. Of course, there are a few pockets of disturbances here and there, but the police tell me that they are in charge and they will ensure that people feel protected when they go to the ballots tomorrow.
1: Uh, Peter, what's the mood there in the capital Abuja as people get ready to vote tomorrow?
6: You know, today um, is the day for reflection, for people to think about all the information they've gotten from the political parties and the presidential campaign, uh, today is a reflection for them to think about who to vote for tomorrow. Now, we went to some supermarkets, and the supermarkets are full because um, there will be a curfew starting midnight tonight until uh, so the election is complete tomorrow at 6 p.m. So people are rushing in to get their food, to get their supplies in order to be ready for, for voting tomorrow. Uh, movement will be restricted as part of the security measures to ensure people feel protected. But people are excited. I, I am in the street now that I'm speaking with you. I just spoke to a lady who is very excited about tomorrow's election. People are for change. And the crack No matter who wins tomorrow, a new president will replace our going president, Mohamed Bouhari. So there's excitement in the year. Let's see what happens tomorrow.
1: Yes, Peter, you've spoken to a range of officials, from party leaders to political analysts to top national security officials. Briefly, what have they been telling you about preparations for tomorrow?
6: Well, um, the Election Commission officials uh, told us that they are ready to go and that all measures have been put in place. Everything is ready to go. Uh, uh, the security officials are also calling on all Nigerians, including the prospective voters, to respect the Electoral Commission officials. the are officials who are tasked with carrying out the election. Now, one concern some people are raising is that it is not fair for the media personnel who will be deployed tomorrow to do uh, reports, uh, the military and uh, um, police people who will be deployed tomorrow, uh, they, you know, they are not going to vote. An election of com- commission officials are not going to be voting. Usually they said they anticipated that the election commission would have them vote probably a day or two ahead of the election. But they have been disenfranchised. So you have a few millions of people who will not be able to vote. So a lot of civil society uh, groups are calling on the INEC officials or the Independent National Electoral Commission officials to review that policy and enable those who will be deployed on election day to have the opportunity to vote because they are also citizens ahead of the election day. So these are some of the issues that are cropping up here in Abuja, particularly Douglas.
1: Thanks, Peter. Peter in Abuja. Peter, we'll get back to you as the voting starts tomorrow. Nigerians made up the largest number of sub-Saharan African students in Ukraine when Russia invaded a year ago, forcing thousands to flee and halting their degrees. Despite the ongoing war, investors in Ukraine and Nigeria teamed up last year to help those students complete their degrees. Timothy Abiezu reports from Abuja, Nigeria.
7: Nigerian medical student Abigail Theophilus gets emotional when she looks at the selfies she took with her classmates at Ukraine's Sumi State University last year, the day before Russia invaded.
2: That morning, I went to get an x-ray done. And I went into town, everywhere was empty, people were lining up to get food and at first the threat of war was like, it was regular, irregular thing in Eastern Europe to hear about war, but this was serious. So I went out, people had left, everywhere was scanty.
7: Ukraine says there were about 76,000 foreign students studying in the country, more than 4,000 of them Nigerians, when Russia attacked. Egyptians and Moroccans were among the largest groups from Africa, which accounted for about a quarter of the total foreign students, who mostly fled on their own. About 1,800 Nigerians were evacuated weeks into the war. Theophilus said they took a bus and later a train to reach Lviv and escape the fighting. In
2: Sunni it was difficult for anybody to leave so the day I realized I needed to leave was when, I think it was an, it was during the evening time, there was a missile that was sent to one of their powerhouse and I saw it pass. And I've never seen a missile before. And I saw it pass. The explosion happened and it was night. Everywhere looked as bright as day and it did not mean that this was actually war.
7: Safely back in Nigeria, their studies were put on hold until October last year, when a deal between Ukrainian and Nigerian universities let students continue pursuing their degrees. Ibenedran University is one of the Nigerian schools enrolling students who left Ukraine. But the interruption in studies was a big setback, says Kofowurala Adewali, who enrolled months ago.
2: I wouldn't say that it's a great experience to have this big change in my life, but I'm just grateful that I did start university. In spite of the fact that, you know, the Nigerian university and the Nigerian system itself took me like two years back. I like, I'm supposed to graduate like next year, but unfortunately now I'm supposed to graduate in like three and a half years' time, which is like a big change for me.
7: Igbenedian University did not respond to requests for comment on the program. Nigerian students are used to education disruptions from periodic teacher strikes that can sometimes last for months. And not all foreign students chose to flee Ukraine despite the ongoing fighting. Nigerian medical student Elijah Kamani stayed in Venezia a town in west-central Ukraine, southwest of Kyiv, that has not yet been hit by the war.
4: As the summer arrived, right, a lot of um, tourists and other people began to come back. I don't know, but the city was still, it was vibrant, it had life in it. So I didn't see the need to live at that point also. So I stayed during the summer and enjoyed it as normal people would. Even though they were trained to we had air alarms and we had to go to bunkers. Both
7: the foreign students who remained in Ukraine and those that fled can only hope that the war ends as soon as possible. Timothy Obiezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria.
1: You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Douglas Simpoga in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. Russian invasion of Ukraine a year ago saw a dramatic rise in the price of fertilizer for importers like Ghana, where farmers are struggling to cope. Ghana's economic problems have made imports even more expensive, forcing farmers to switch to different crops and ultimately reduce production. Kent Mensah reports from Akasi, Ghana.
8: Ghanaian farmers were hit hard by the jump in fertilizer prices after the invasion of Ukraine a year ago by Russia, one of the world's and Ghana's top suppliers. western led sanctions pushed companies not to trade with Russia, which industry experts say forced a 60% decline in Ghana's fertiliser import and caused prices to skyrocket. Farmers were forced to shift to crops that require fewer inputs, says Felix Kamasa, who also reduced his farmland by nearly a third.
4: We have to look at other alternatives to make sure that we are in business because commercial farmers, when you want to rely on fertiliser importation for now, uh, you can't make any good profit out of it because it's a big challenge.
8: Fertilizer prices have stabilised since last year's spike, but are still roughly double what they were a year before the invasion, too expensive for most Ghanaian farmers. Ghana's economic problems have made imports even more pricey, as the currency, the city, dropped in value last year by more than half. Nana Aisha Mohamed is country manager for the African Fertilizer and Agribusiness Partnership, AFAP.
2: The dynamics of of the fertilizer uh, crisis in Ghana have slightly changed. Uh, We no longer, globally, the the prices are stabilizing. However, it will take about six months uh, for retail prices to catch up. And this is likely due to logistics and supply chain issues. We also as a country are facing some economic challenges, which means that our, our currency is, is, is not very uh, stable and is performing very poorly against the, the, the trading, the trading uh, currency, which is the dollar.
8: Wame says food exports from Ghana, the world's second largest cocoa exporter, have also been affected. But Ghana cocoa bus spokesman Fifi Boafo says a quick switch to organic chicken manure has helped farmers bridge the gap.
6: It is even better for us to rely on the poultry manure than the inorganic fertilisers we import because that is natural. It has shown that it rather builds a soil structure better than the inorganic uh, fertilisers we import. The only challenge, however, is that uh, coming by it is a bit more difficult compared to assessing the inorganic from the market.
8: Ghana last April announced plans to build a $2 billion fertilizer plant for local production, but that would take about four years. Meanwhile, farmers like Kamasa are left reaping what they can as economic casualties in a war sown by Russia. Kent Mensah for VUE News, Akachi, Ghana.
1: Algerian authorities yesterday dissolved a decades-old pro-democracy group whose peaceful protests helped force President Abdelaziz Bouteflika from office four years ago. The Associated Press says the move was included in a decree that banned the Youth Action Group, known by its French acronym RAJ, as well as the left-leaning party, the Movement for Democracy and Socialism. The Algerian Council of State said the RIJ was dissolved in line with an October 2021 administrative court decision in favor of an Interior Ministry lawsuit. The ministry said the group was rallying forces to destabilize the country and violating a law on non governmental groups. RIJ leaders deny the allegations. US First Lady Jill Biden arrives today in Kenya for a three day visit. It comes on the heels of a trip to Namibia to convey President Joe Biden's commitment to Africa. From
0: Nairobi, reporter James Shimayula has more. Kenya's First Lady, Rachel Ruto, says during her visit, Jill Biden will focus on women's economic empowerment projects. She's expected to visit the Joyful Women Organization, where she will get a chance to experience table banking, an effort where women pool their resources for loans to improve the community. It is part of a transformational economic empowerment model championed by Ruto, which operates under the Mama doing good organization. Roto says the visit is also a follow-up of the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit held in December where Biden hosted a two-day program for Africa's first ladies. Okia Omtata is a prominent Kenyan activist and regular commentator on social issues. Um, Tata describes Jill Biden's visit as a plush to Kenya and points out that she will not engage in complex issues.
6: High value visitor. America is a superpower. The U.S. is, I think, the most dominant power
4: today. She is the wife of the president of the U.S. By virtue of what her husband holds, she is a very, very important person to have around. We want to be a very, very important person given the clout the American state has around the globe.
0: Professor Herman Manora, a lecturer at the University of Nairobi on political and social issues, says the Russia Ukraine war will not feature prominently during the U.S. First Lady's
3: visit. The Russian-Ukraine war is preoccupying world attention. And there are those who are thinking this is the issue she will touch on. I very much doubt so. I don't think it is within the line of the First Lady to engage in hard international world politics. What is happening in the world today with uh, Russia trying to win over the support of many countries, especially third world countries, who believe the West is
0: being unnecessarily Antagonistic against Russia by supporting Ukraine. Manyora mentioned other issues that the First Lady is likely to speak about.
3: Other areas I think that might interest the First Lady are issues to do with gender violence, the girl child, early marriages, teen pregnancy. And one of those things she could, of course, talk about is the U.S. Africa trade. Again, Given the growing influence of China in African matters of trade, the first lady acting on behalf of the president will certainly touch. On matters to do with the trade between the U.S., Kenya,
0: and the U.S. Africa. U.S. Africa trade totaled nearly $45 billion last year. The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative says close to a billion dollars worth of goods come from Kenya. U.S. President Biden has made expanding economic, cultural, and diplomatic ties with Africa a priority in his administration. For VOA News, I am James Shimanyula in Nairobi, Kenya. Gunmen
1: have killed at least 12 civilians in an attack in Mali. Reuters says the victims were killed last night in a village near the town of Bankas in the Mop- Mopti region, an area where Islamic extremists are active. The town's mayor says unidentified gunmen burst into the village, ransacked it, shot people, and chased those who fled into the forest. Mali has been battling Islamic militants for 10 years in an insurgency that has spread to coastal states south of Sahara, killing thousands and displacing millions. Botswana and Namibia have agreed to allow their citizens to cross their shared border without passports. The two neighbors say the move is the first step towards removing barriers to free movement for people within the Southern Africa Development Community or SADC region.
4: Bozana President Mukwezi Masisi and his Namibia counterpart Hake Genkob first raised the idea of passportless travel in 2019. Bozana's Minister of Labor and Home Affairs, Anna Mukheti, told the media in Khabarone the move is meant to enhance relations between the two countries.
5: The use of the National Identity Card, ladies and gentlemen, for cross-border will enhance the momentum of social and economic and regional integration and further promote the safe and orderly migration between these two countries. This will be impactful or more impactful on the people's lives.
4: She says the development is in line with the goals of the regional bloc, the Southern Africa Development Community. The nations are the first in SADC to initiate the move to remove barriers to free movement within the region.
5: Now, the use of this travel, uh, the identity document as a travel document will achieve the objective of the SADC Treaty, which calls for SADC member states to develop policies aimed at the progressive elimination of all barriers or obstacles to the free movement of people, goods and services.
4: Moketi says steps have been taken to address concerns over the possible proliferation of forged identity documents.
5: To this end, ladies and gentlemen, both countries have taken serious measures and precaution to secure this national document against fraud and misuse.
4: The decision to abolish the use of passports comes at a time when there is tension between Namibians living along the border and the Bozona Army patrolling the area. Simvula Mutabe deletes a pressure group, Namibia Lives Matter, and accuses the Bozona Army of human rights violations. As far as
3: Namibia is concerned, we, we have not harassed any Botswana citizen. Uh, the Botswana Defense Force Soldiers, they, they keep violating our territorial space, but we we have still maintained our peaceful relations. But Botswana should not
4: take our silence for weakness. The country's two leaders met last year to discuss the tensions after Botswana soldiers shot for suspected postures from Namibia, President Masisi and gainkop Will officially launch the passport free program on Friday. For VOA, this is Mkondisi to be in Havoroni, Botswana.
1: And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Douglas Sipoga in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent, 24 7, visit our website at VOAfrica.com on behalf of our producer, Mobil Yeboro. And over tonight, Nelson Alkila, Thanks for choosing the voice of America.
7: VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code PLUS1, then... 202 258 3076 VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one then 202